Welcome back to Electric Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift. Ella here with Benji for the Alperson de Koenig, formerly Alperson Phoenix, formerly uh, Corandon Circus, formerly Beobank Corandon. Many names. <laughs> um, they had the mid-season name change. The Belgian sponsor Carousel goes round. De Koenig comes over from Quickstep. Uh, sound like a bit of beef to me. Uh, given what happened in the press, I think, yeah. and they're, they're over to Alperson, who are sort of trying to become the new quick step, at least that's how I see it. And for present purposes for this pod, we're going to assume their world tour. Uh, they said they applied, they announced that in the Giro, maybe, uh, rest day, and they, yeah, they meet all the other criteria, because I don't think we're kicking out a shampoo company and a window <laughs> company from World Tour. So they're in a pretty good season, Benji. Like just another really solid season for Aish. Maybe their budget went up a couple of mil, but it's still a much better season than teams like A22R or Trek, who probably have fatter budgets than them. Yeah, and we need to keep in mind that 2021, I'm pretty sure we started shouting great words about his team. 33 victories in 2021. I think uh, much of Underpool obviously getting loads of those into the Swiss, to the France, on Mute Britannia and so forth. And it really was a good season last year, but they stepped up in terms of victories. They have 34 victories now. I um I see in that that they have a total of 13 World Tour wins and it started kicking off relatively late, I would say. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It started off early with the likes of sprint wins like Merlira Tireno, uh, Philipson at UAE Tour. Those were early victories, but much of Van der Poel started late because of his injury, right? Because at the start of the year, we were still like paranoid whether he could return at the top step after his back injury from the mountain bike race last year. So it was a, a slowed return. And we saw him gradually move back into the season and he came back at MSR and it was the kind of MSR return where you're like, what level is Matthew Van der Poel going to be on? Nobody knows, but if he's starting, he's probably going to be on a decent level. But they're so so coy in the in the press, Alperson, right? Remember when they were like playing with the press oh, a bit? Well, yeah, they said they said he's just doing it for training. Um, <laughs> he then came third at MSR, uh, and he's going to blame him and Pagacha for um, Morich winning, actually. Um, <laughs> you go and look at that Poggio descent, how Van der Poel wrote it. But listen, third is a great result. And like that Kolobnev Hotel, where he goes, where Campanats goes, it, the simulated altitude, being able to train at sea level in warm conditions, you know, near an airport, near civilization, I think it's clear that Van der Poel prefers it. It's, a, you know, made a huge difference for him, I think. Uh, well, maybe not. He had a great 2021 too. But yeah, that's <laughs> expect to see him there half the year next year too. I think Remco's moved into town semi-permanently as well down in uh, down in Denia. Anyway, Alps and De Koenig, you will know, are one of the men, or is the men's team that is part of Zwift Academy, offering a contract to uh, a rider coming through Zwift Academy. It's Canyon Shram on the women's side. Uh, we have there, uh, well, the graduate from Zwift Academy, Jay Vine, taking 
two World Tour wins at the Vuelta this year, but he subsequently left to UAE. We'll talk about that in a second. But Zwift Academy is coming up, so make sure you subscribe to Zwift on YouTube. Follow them on Instagram in particular and stay up to date with what's happening with Swift Academy. It's one of the sort of when we're starved of cycling, it's the perfect time of year when the shows drop uh, later in the year <laughs> in winter. So also a perfect companion for being on the trainer. So if you want to check out Zwift, the platform itself as well, you can get a free trial through the link below at Zwift.com. I think mate. Oudeman got a contract as well, Benji, another graduate who got a second contract. Yeah, she got her first year at Canyon Shram, and then at the end of the year, she was, uh, oh, I noticed that her contract wasn't extended yet. I was like, okay, give her another year chance. Come on. Like, these riders get their first chance in, in World Tour, have an opportunity, but not greatest opportunities. I want them to have multiple years of opportunities, and uh, I think Jumbo Visma's now given her another chance with an extra year in World Tour, so let's see what Mautaudemont does there. I think Alex Bonia is still at Alpecin Def Team, if yeah, I recall correctly. Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he wrote a relatively anonymous season, but it can be that he's still pulling that forward because we noticed that the years before, not only when it comes to Jay Vine, but also on the women's side, that results are popping in. And yeah, it's, it's a decent way to get into a, a contract for riders that aren't necessarily from countries where there's a good system to get into world tour right yeah if you're north america south africa oceana honestly it's like just about the best if you're if you're not a matthew dinham who has some world tour interest you know 22 mountain biker already performing well in europe if you're not performing in europe i it's the only way if you're in australia maybe asia i'd argue that japanese riders could also filter through it true true and yeah I don't know how the seasons work. Is Japan in the Northern Hemisphere? Because Australians do have a bit of an advantage in that we and the Kiwis that you can peak for your summer racing and you're also yeah. peaking a bit for Zwift Academy, I think. Anyway, that aside, Alperson de Koenig, I think you have to give it above average season. They won multiple stages in all three Grand Tours, three in the Jura, two in the Tour, two in the Vuelta. They won the Tour of Flanders. They won a monument. For a team that's not a GC-focused team, to win those stages, yeah. to win a cobbled classic with some minor ones, Brugge de Pana and Dwarz Dour, that's just tick, tick, tick. That's all you want, really. And what impressed me as well, last year, only three riders won World Tour races, Philipson, Van der Poel, Malier. This year, they added uh, three additional riders, Aldani with and Dries de Bont with the Giro stage wins. Now, I think one of them should have won last year too, but that's good from the Giro um, because you compare to, say, Yumbo. Actually, no, Khan Bowman won two of the Giro, so I was about to be unfair to Yumbo, but <laughs> I literally my point is the opposite. Um, <laughs> and Jay Vine won at the uh, two at the Vuelta. So I would say the team's getting a little bit deeper as well. Um and that's kind of borne out by their transfers, Benji, with last year the transfers coming in were not the top guys. Uh, I think Stannard was the best of them, young, good prospect. I think he won, uh, got pro race this year. Um, but otherwise it was it, it was Moreshko. Uh, and, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, Old Danny was good. This year they've gone a bit deeper. 
with particularly with three of the signings, Kranz and Hermans Groves, they aren't these the riders that Quickstep used to sign? I agree with you. I feel like when we take a look at the transfers, I first want to go back for a second, by the way. Like, let's not downplay Oldani too much. I feel like I, I'm a hype man for Oldani. I think last year I actually called him to win a Giro stage. So that yep. hot take actually worked out. Same for Kovi, but I selected the wrong stage. Let's not talk about that too much. Anyway, transfer, you mentioned it. It is partially the riders that Quickstep would sign. As in, first of all, Actually, it's mostly the riders that Quickstep would sign, except for like one, I would argue. If we take a look at the signings, you mentioned them. Sönekronis and Hermans Groves. Quickstep has always had a focus in the past on sprints and cobble races. And you've mentioned it in last year's podcast about Alpsen as well, that we noticed a gradual transition or a transition into becoming stronger in two areas without focusing on other areas. And those two areas were sprinting and cobble races. The same kind of style that Quickstep did it in, as in having two sprinters and having a cobble team. And Vine was kind of the odd duck out, right? Vine was kind of the, the GC rider. Exactly. Tobias Bayer was potentially that in 2021, but didn't really pop out in 2022. So he's kind of... I wouldn't say stagnated. I feel like he's gone down, but he had a serious crash, I think, a few times, maybe in 2021 felt or something, and then he yeah. hasn't really come back from that completely. So let's hope it works out for him in the coming year. But I feel like the the fact that, first of all, Caden Groves, Philipson, but one and a half years earlier in my eyes, in his progress, I'd say Caden Groves' aim should be to transition into Philipson in the next year and a half. Because... If we take a look at the opportunities, obviously Philipson is going to get the Tour de France. So Caden Gross is likely going to end up with the Giro, which honestly fits him parkour-wise. It is the sprint stage with hills in it. So it's much better for a Groves than it would have been for a Merlier, right? Oh, yeah. Groves is like, we looked at his data, and when he's in good shape, he climbs exceptionally well. Like, I think he did six lots per kilo for six minutes three times in a row Crazy. with no rest in between in one of the Polonia stages. It then finished uphill where he couldn't compete, but he was in the bunch at the base of the, the final climb. I was like, holy shit. Um, so he he's a really versatile sprinter. Um, yeah, it makes sense he goes to Giro. I'm not sure that – I'm not sure he's that cheap, actually. I think they're um, paying a decent Cheaper amount. Cheaper than Marlier. For sure, cheaper than Melier. And it says a lot, doesn't it? Like, yeah. they, yeah, they let a Belgian champ go to bring an Australian in and who's not on a Neopro salary either, like Plowright, the other sprinter they brought in. So, I mean, hats off to Albertson for bringing in the, uh, the Aussies, I guess. But when it comes to Merlier, we're talking about that Belgian champion leaving the team for Gaten Groves to take his place, but... If we have to be honest, his season wasn't great. I think the most important races he won, Tireno stage, Brugge de Pone, and then some random 1.1 farmers races in Belgium. And that's kind of it, right? Or am I missing a big one? I feel like those are the ones I'm I'm thinking of when I think of Merlier, and he didn't the really pull it off. really when bad. It... Yeah, for certain. He should have gotten a stage at a Grand Tour this year, and he didn't end up having that. Can we blame the fact that 
he didn't necessarily have a lead out with Ricard. I don't think so, because even then, there were sprints where he should have been competitive and wasn't. And I do think, going further on this point, that we might see the factor that this team needs to have two sprint trains, right? For Kane and Groves and Philipson play out next year. Who are they going to send with Groves? Who are they going to send with Philipson? And I'm really like trying to figure out. Ricard's probably going to be back, hopefully. So hopefully. that's Philipson camp, right? Yeah, and yeah. Ricard's the premium guy. And then Krieger would be the B guy. Robert is the guy that they signed yeah, as well true. that we haven't spoken about. The dude that won, didn't even like some random ball was a Belgium tour stage against... Remco and Steven, or am I completely fucking that up in my head? Well, he won a stage of the RAS back in 2018, so he gets credit for that. Um, <laughs> but he, listen, he... And post-RAS. <laughs> he, he, listen, don't be mean. He came ninth in GP Nat. He kind of looks... He's not like Merlier, because remember Merlier was doing really good in those, nat, like those amateur commerces. Um, yeah. He just looks... Like he's going to be straight into the lead out in that B train, in those semi-classics that they do. They do so many, like, he came 15th in Gent-Wevelhem. Like, he's not a scrub. I think he's a perfectly good (laughs) signing, uh, Robbie Hayes. Uh, And he's, yeah, they need riders like that to support the multitude of sprinters they have. There's also the aspect of him that I think he's one of the right. I could be completely wrong, but I, I recall him being a rider that also does track and does these six days of Ghent here. So maybe there's some like local marketing aspect to it as well. But next to uh, next to Robert Geis, there's also a few Belgians leaving. Julian van Molten not being named as where he's going to be going, whether he's going to be extended or not, we do not know. Floor is it here to Bingwall. I'm going to start saying Bingwall as well because you say it as well. But Guillaume van Kersburg is the surprise for me because... I feel like the guy ended up on the the dev team, first of Alperson, went to the pro team, ended up doing a really good Paris-Roubaix, right? I swear he was like one of the most important yeah, people yeah. in Vanderpool. Top 20 strength and riders, ended up 29th in my memory, serves me right. Like, that's a rider that could have been re-signed. And no, he's, he's going good. to Bingwall. It must be for leadership. It must be. Or they gave him a little bit of extra money. I don't know. Um like, like, I don't think the Rudolph brothers are. Um, I don't think they open the checkbook that easily. Uh, yeah. Kind of like so, maybe Bingo, you know, ten grand extra, fifteen grand extra, and he gets a lead at Paris-Roubaix. Which you know, why would you jump at that if you're him? I thought he was quite good. A big, just a big ruler. Even in the tour, he was like fine. I thought he was even pretty good at the Tour de France, which he did as well. But yeah, it's odd always. The guys who are good enough to get picked for the a team's tour team leave, um, but yeah, he's out. Sure, to back to UAE, bizarre signing um, from UAE's perspective. I think basically the guy he what did he he won like an Italian semi classic. He's he's yeah, twenty six, and, he, and he was strong at the the Dutch and seas as well, where he was trying to like fold up the umbos. Um, but I don't think it worked. Um, so yeah, I don't know. He He's not the number one signing I would have thought of when it comes to UAE. I don't think he's going to be the biggest miss for Alperson either. But hey, maybe he evolves into like some crazy ruler that we don't see at the moment. But no, I guess he's leaving Alperson. 
yeah, it's just a bizarre. He just he won Copenhagen after not doing too much before September, um, and the guy's never been really competitive at world to the level in UA sign him. So, I mean, why would Alperson match that money? Uh, the answer is they shouldn't, so they let him go. And, yeah, Detier out, a bit surprised. Uh, the big one was Vine Benji leaving. So Tullet yep. got bought out by Ineos the year before, who was like 20 and came top 12 in flesh and with no support. Um, really unbelievably good Neo Pro season. And then... Vine does okay first year, last year, good in Norway, and then breaks out in the Vuelta. And they let him go because he had a contract for next year. Like, I don't understand, I don't really understand their logic. I mean, obviously, you know, they, I don't know, maybe they wanted the cash. Has to be the money. Has to, yeah, but I don't, I don't know why Alberson, they just don't. I don't know, they don't really think long-term. Like, wouldn't you want to just say he's on a ridiculously low contract? Wouldn't it have been better to be like, extend him and increase next year's contract, you know, a little bit and then keep him for longer? That's what a lot of teams do. I think so as well. But there's also the aspect, I think, of we looked at this team earlier and we said, okay, this is becoming the old school quick step with two sprinters and the cobble team. We saw it said last year already. And maybe they don't feel like they're ready to step into the GC aspect, the climbing aspect at all. Maybe that's the reason. But it leaves them so vulnerable in so many race days throughout the season where they won't be able to go for GC in any Grand Tour or World Tour race unless the Bingo Bongo Tour comes back. And then we notice that when it comes to mountain breakaways, they're also barely competitive because a Vanderpool needs to do it. Sandro Muris hasn't been able to do it either recently. And Tobias Bayer is not on that level. So in so many stages throughout the season, they're not competitive because they don't have that climbing aspect. Even having someone like a Gianluca Brambilla could, be, could have been an option for that. Unless you think that Nicola Conchi could be the man that could go into a Giro breakaway and do something. For because sure, he, he was that... Potentially, he was the guy that descended to the wheel of Pogaccio and Mike, and that's the only thing I remember from him uh, when Pogaccio was shouting, fuck these tires in that descent in Slovenia, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe like maybe I would have caught up to them. I think they were on 15Ks an hour after they nearly <laughs> crashed. <laughs> they stopped pedaling. Um, but, yeah, he, he was quite good. He was good in, in Norway. Uh, he was good in the Italian semi-classics, if you want to. Um, yeah, Norway third, second on the last stage behind, sixth in Sicily. Sicily. Like he had a good season all around 25. I wouldn't be surprised joining the UAE. He makes much more sense as a signing after this year, I think. Like Italy's not that deep with talent. Like Nicola, he's like one of their most talented young riders and he's not even that young. Um, but incomings, certain crowd will go into the classic squad. Uh, he comes from DSM. And so, yeah, I probably expect to bounce back here. Will Hermans be the Arden leader or co-leader in Amstel and then leader in Liège? It's very intriguing because if we take a look at those two riders, Søren Andersen, he was the strongest, I'd argue, with his... He had the strongest attack on the Poggio 
right? At MSR, he was really strong. He was the one yep. that put Pogacar in trouble, that put all the riders in trouble on that final steeper slope of the Poggio, the spot where you need to attack. He calculated that in perfect spot to attack, and it didn't end up getting much for him because he needs to get away to be able to win something. When it comes to Cobbles, he's the rider that doesn't necessarily have the... Well, I'm talking against myself here. He had a great punch on the MSR, but he's not having that punch on uh, a Paterberg and so forth in recent years. So he needs to be the Von Barlet type of rider where he attacks before the climb and then try and gets a bit of an advantage or rolls attacks and tries to put Van der Poel into a better position that way. I feel like it's a very good addition to the team. And I feel like if Sudan Kronsen has that bounce back here, that it could really cause Alpecin to be able to win a classic just because of the teamwork between Søren Kronersen and Van der Poel. But is it in, I don't know, is it against Van der Poel's nature to have his teammates close down gaps? So I think Van der Poel might have to adapt to the factor that he's got people now that, that can close down gaps like Søren Kronersen. And also, I think that Quinton Hermann should ride RVV because this guy has never done a cobble race, a world tour cobble race in his life, but the dude has done a STX. He can punch. I feel like RVV should really work for him. You could even try the envelope and see how it works and see what he does on those hills and see if that delivers something. But this man should definitely be able to do that. I agree, though, that he's likely going to end up with co-leadership in the Ardennes as well. I think Amstel is Vanderpool. But I think LBL might be Hermans because I don't think Vanderpool will write all the Cobble Classics, Amstel, Flesh, and LBL. Although I would love to see Vanderpool at Flesh. Don't you think they've bought high on Hermans? Very possible. Like, do you expect Quinton Hermans to podium Liège again next year? I absolutely don't. Um, he was I don't, Marche, but... Which got everything out of their riders. I think they've bought really high. But who else do they have for it? Like, I, th- I think they had like 17 for something with Rob Stannard at LBL. Yeah. It's not going to break through and suddenly win LBL as well. So I think it's maybe the best chance they have at top fiving again or top yeah. tening again. Yeah, and he's good in like Ronde van Limburg. He's good in sort of he, – he came third in the Bemisse Classics, uh, the Hamburg race as well. He was in that Walfenart Haller group. So listen, he had a good year from like start oh, – virtually the start to finish. Um but it was his best ever year. He's only he's 27 and he's won two races and they were one of them was the Balwaza stage this year. So I don't know what they're paying him, but there was beef between him and Intermarche as well. Yeah. Not sure who to blame. I blame mostly Intermarche. Everybody. Well, I hate when teams get salty about their <laughs> rider leaving because yeah. it's like if this guy has a bad year, you don't extend him out of charity in 99% of cases. So like, I heard, um, this is a business. I heard that Hermans apparently came back after either LBL result or a great result and asked for more money, which is a logical thing to do, or his agent did, because that's how it works, right? And they were He's like, a contract. Kind of, <laughs> and they seem to have kind of... They've been shocked by that, apparently. That's the rumors inside info that I heard behind the scenes. But... Ah, there's a final man we haven't spoken about. A man close to your heart. You've been hyping him up way too much to my liking this last year. Jensen fucking blow, right? <laughs> is he like, has he ridden with Gross and the Mitchell with the Bay Quits? Is this a, yeah, a situation yeah, yeah. where 
<laughs> is he actually? I think he's decent because he comes from Groupama U23 Conti team. But is he decent? Then he might become a sprinter in the future, or is he a lead-out sprinter? No, he's a sprinter. He's a sprinter. Okay. Um, if you go back and look at my Bakeris video from like two years ago, nearly three years ago now, nearly three, you'll see him in that crit with uh, with Groves, with Durbridge, with Wellsford, um, and dive bombing corners. <laughs> he, he's only 22, so he yeah. was young then. He was probably like 20, 19 then. Um, yeah, he's a sprinter. And Mate. New Zealand Cycle Classic is OP. Like every time, two years <laughs> after the New Zealand Cycle Classic, we see the riders that top treat those races going to World Tour. We've had it with um, Jensen Plowright. We had it with Quick Blake now, or Blake Quick, whatever Blake his Quick, name is. Quick Blake. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other dude, uh, all the, the New Zealand guys at um, Grupama itself as well, like Piffy and so Pithy. forth. Those were also yeah. good there. So. I feel like that race is really good for like two years later. <laughs> Did Pithy go through the windscreen of a car this week? Wait, what? I swear it was him, him or Tom. I think it was Pithy. What have you, what have I, you been doing with your car? No, he put up on Instagram just a photo of a, a cracked windshield and he's like, oh, should stop hitting these. I was like, bro, <laughs> it's the most like understated Kiwi thing ever. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, they just had their their fourth Grand Tour, the Tour of Southland. Fucking great! Anyway, Tour of Ta- NRS race, the uh, Tasmania um, Tour of Tasmania is on at the moment as well. And I'm like getting our chakra on if he's desperate to do some watts per kilo calculations. They do like one like six minute hill climb. Um, get him to calculate that. See if we can find find someone yeah. for World Tour. But yeah, Plowright three year deal <laughs> uh, at Alperson. I would say. This is the perfect spot for him to sign, apart from maybe an Intermarche. Because if you go to Quick Step, there's more sprinters ahead of you. Yep. There's without Merlier, Vern- it would have been great. Who? Where? Without Merlier, it would have been great at Quick Step. Oh yeah, yeah. Without, but there's three ahead of him there. Um, so he'll get chances, I think, straight away. There's so many races that this team does that need to miss classic sprinter and. Yeah, I'm keen to see how he uh, how he goes. I'm not sure how he climbs, um, but they do a lot. Of, they had a lot of success at this team without being up to climb. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that doesn't really matter. They got Groves and Philipson for that. Uh, so how would you rate their signings overall, Benji? I'd say I I knocked them for the for Vine leaving, but still I think a net positive. The positive as well is they can attract now. Sir and Cryer Anderson, who says, I want to go yeah. to Alperson de Koenig. I think that's a big change to even two years ago. I think so as well. I uh, personally believe that I'm not that knocked off by the Vine leaving necessarily because I think it's a financial question for Alperson as well. And you got to keep in mind, every time Matthew Vanderpool wins, I think if he wins another RVV, if he wins another Roubaix, his salary probably increases quite a bit as well. They also renegotiate behind the scenes probably. So how much do you think Vanderpool salary is, by the way? Uh, it has to be like four or five mil, right? I don't reckon it's four or five. I don't think so either, but I think it should be. He's worth seven. Seven or eight. I think like, it's 1.52. Nah, it's not 1.5. If it's 1.5, just <laughs> imagine. Give me, give me a call, bro. 
You'd be paying it. You're literally yeah. getting a loan from the bank. You'd be like, come on, write for us. I'll start my own team. If that's how write from Australia Cycling Academy. <laughs> 1.5. I mean, Jesus. I don't know. I guess Three. he... He makes money from the cyclocross. He makes money from other things. Well, you yeah, make a lot of money mountain. from cyclocross. Yeah. They let him do mountain bike and fuck his back up. So, you know, maybe it's to, maybe other teams wouldn't let him do that. Uh, any of us might. Um, but they have an insurance on him, so. He's, wor- he's worth five, at least. He's worth five, at least, yeah. I think. Because yeah, I think so as well. Without him, riders like Sir Cran, you know, he's the real figurehead, and they know that. But I doubt he's on it. Um, but there's also uh, loyalty, I guess. He's been with the team for a long, long time. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the transfers are a net positive. Uh, for the Cobble Classics next year, they will have um, – you touched on this a bit already. Do you actually think they would pursue – or even pretend to pursue a Julian strategy with Søren Kra? They should in some shape or form. As in Vanderpool's the peak spear point. I think Søren Kra Andersen is the earlier mover, like a Van Barle B-Tech. He's obviously not on level of Van Barle, but he's a rider yeah. that can go early and can put pressure on other teams and can make it so that if, for example, this man goes... He might trigger, I don't know who's, who he's going to trigger, Jesus Christ, but he might trigger someone to go, or he might be there to be able to close down a gap for Vanderpool so that Vanderpool doesn't have to follow each attack necessarily. So yeah. I think it's an addition in that sense where he might get into a situation where he gets into a competitive position because he will send up the road to counter offensive, something like that. I don't know if that sentence even remotely made sense, but you know what I mean. And the same factor counts for Hedmonds, but I feel like Hedmonds is more of a... He can also have a bit of a sprint, but he's he's more of a domestique type, I think, than Kronesen would be in these cobble races. Yeah, I'll be interested to see because, you know, you look at footage in previous years, I don't know where it was, um, some so was a video before Flanders. Yeah. Uh, it might be the Flanders Classic video on YouTube, and, and they're sitting in the... Um, the meeting room before the race and you know the Rudolphs are saying everything is about Matthew we ride for Matthew today uh, and yeah. so it'll be interesting to see if they they use these talented riders and shift strategies a little bit um, and how they do that because it is a change uh, but yeah Cobble Classics but it's it's on sorry go on doesn't make them more competitive having these riders I think it's a tiny bit but I don't think it will make the biggest needle move because we've been speaking about quick steps Steve Cobble race is there. We haven't spoken about Jumbo's Cobble team yet, but it's stronger again with Von Barley joining. With Appleson getting a tiny bit better, it kind of counters Quickstep. Jumbo getting a bit better counters Quickstep, but Jumbo getting better counters both Quickstep and Alpacin, right? Yeah, like Jumbo have to win Flanders and Rugai. If they don't, it's a failure. Well, I have to win one because the team, the Cobble team is ridiculous. Um, with... Van Bala coming in, Trattening coming in. It's, yeah. In, yeah. So they have numbers. The, the thing is, uh, that's the thing. What will Alpson do when Tej Benoit attacked with 85 kilometers to go? Will, as you say, Sern Kra pull it back slowly in the group behind? Will he join Head the ones. move? 
yeah, will her, will they have Herman's join the move? Because Herman's joining Benoit's great because he'll yep. beat him in the sprint. Yep. So Herman's is is good in that way. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting to see how they use these these extra riders. But in terms of the teams are very straightforward. They will send Philipson, I think, will do the Brugge Panna Vavelhems uh, of this world yep. early in the classic season, those flat sprints. And Vanderpool will then do E3 to Azdor, you know, uh, RVB Roubaix. Vanderpool will do the Tour de France. I think uh, the Giro Tour combo this year did not work. Uh, yep. It worked for the Giro, did not work for the Tour. I think he has to do the tour with the possibility of taking yellow in the first few stages to me is a no brainer. And they will also take Phillips into the tour for all the flat sprints. Giro will be interesting. Who it's Groves. It's Groves, Conchi, Oldani, um, yeah. right? Exactly. Getting Groves for the sprints, like we mentioned earlier, those versatile sprints fit him a lot. It's also not all versatile sprints, so the flat ones should also give him opportunities. He's still competitive there. Who is going to be his lead out? The Krieger types that you mentioned, yeah. for example. Robert Geis, perhaps, in that team, although he's Belgian, so he fits more with the Philipson train. I don't know why I, that, <laughs> that just works in my head more. But I don't know. I feel like Caden Groves is clear for Giro. Philipson is clear for Tour de France. How competitive is Groves and Philipson at these Grand Tours. We saw that Philipson was winning two stages at the Tour de France last year, including Champs-Élysées. But we have to consider that while Alpecin's lead-out wasn't perfect and therefore he could have won four stages if his lead-out was better, the other team's lead-outs were awful as well. Like, I can barely remember if there was like a competitive lead-out from any team in the Tour de France. Uh, quick steps on stage three was good and Jakobsen bottled the corner. Um, yeah. And that's the, it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yumbo were just using Laporte as a pilot. I, I think I think Philipson will be fine. I think he'll win again at the tour. I think Gross that will win. They always just seem to win at least one. Yeah. So I think they'll be fine. Um and they'll keep winning. I think Van der Poel needs to go for yellow though, uh in the yeah. Tour de France. Should Van der Poel try to go for G C in any race next year? We always talk about them up, but Van der Poel and the Giro is really impressive in those mountain breakaways. How about we talk about something different? How about we talk about the fact that Wolves is now before the Tour de France and maybe Vanderpool could focus mm. on a potentially hilly Lombardia? Yeah, true. He could do what? Tour, straight into Worlds, recover, altitude camp, Yeah, in preparation for Lombardia and the Italian classics. Us guests would love it. They need to do the, It needs to be the right route. It needs to be a soft route. Unless he goes to the Vuelta after the tour, which I would also enjoy. Nah, fuck that. Uh-huh. <laughs> fuck the Vuelta. Well, <laughs> no. I, no, I think have Groves or someone do the Vuelta. Um, Rob Stannard. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. But yeah, I'd be also interested to see, could Van der Poel go for, obviously at Bing Bang, Bingo Mongo, he could. Bologna, uh, he could. Polonia, yeah. Could he, yeah, but could he at like a, I don't know. <laughs> Very difficult, huh? Yeah. Not Swiss, Swiss. That's too uh, much. Romandy, depending on the parkour. Yeah. Um, I think Tireno is going to be very difficult because it always has that one major mountain stage. 
Pyrenees depends on the year because we've had years where it was just hills and and like time trials, eh? Yeah, yeah. Vanderpool requires a Tirreno, like the Van Avermaet one, where the last two stages are cancelled. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think winning will be one of those proper ones will be tough. Um, but yeah. I think podium is possible if there's a really soft mountaintop finish, actually. Um, but yeah. I'm keen to see how Vanderpool goes. I think he can have a better season next year. Actually, I think, I think his season this year, he did a lot early. He rushed back, um, but I think his 2020 and 2021 was better. I don't have the facts to back that up. It's just a gut feel that 2020 and 2021 was slightly better, and I think that was related to the back injury. Um, I think it's just that. The Giro, the Tour de France just gave like a meh aftertaste to a season, I feel like. If uh, the season ended after RVV, we would have been like, oh, he won a monument. But it's kind of like we expect more from him these days. So I do expect uh, a better season as well. I, the only factor is if Jumbo is that much stronger when it comes to the couple season, can he win Arizabay or RVV? Because if he doesn't, it's not a better season. True. Yeah, he won. In 2021, he won more races, but he didn't win a monument. Uh, in 2020, he won RVV, and this year he won RVV as well. But yeah, there's after the Giro, he didn't win a World Tour race this year uh, on the 6th of May. So yeah, his season kind of pieced and out. On I worlds, feel like I'm missing. Worlds. <laughs> I'm missing the long term attacks. It's been a while since we've seen, I think Copia Bartali, didn't he do Copia Bartali before MSR as like yeah. a training thing? And then he attacked on like a climb at the start of a race and then called back to the breakaway. The breakaway was called with him. And then yeah. he ended up winning the Peloton sprint anyway. Like I'm missing that in World Tour races this year, which is a really stupid like thing to say. It's like a first world luxury problem that, oh, I, Macho Vanderpool is winning too boringly, which is, he's still winning. He's still fucking great. But I... I miss the Bink Bank solo, the Castel Fidardo solo, that kind of stuff. That was glorious. I don't know why. Nah. Anyway, yeah. my rant. Yeah. He, he did say he wants to race smarter, and he did race a lot smarter this year. I think he his tactics yeah. were really, really good for the most part. Um, but yeah. Especially in Dwarves. Yeah. Yeah. He just he was just much better. But wow, he, he really doesn't ra- race very much, does he? He races the same at Pitcock. 30 race days in 2020. 34 in 2021. 49 in 2022. Plus 10, 15 CX races. Pardon? Plus 10, 15 CX races. Yeah. I mean, do we think, do we need to do hot takes? (laughs) Is Cyclocross ruining Matthew Van road potential? Um, <laughs> and mountain biking I actually think yes but that's not the game ruining the is game a big is... word I think well, it's reducing it... what he could achieve yeah yeah but you know we're road focused only there's a lot of marketing benefits and money in cyclocross and mountain bikes so it makes sense and it keeps like Canyon they well, you know, they'd rather have a rider probably doing all three disciplines and then only turning up to the big, big, big events uh, to put on a show on the road. But yeah, that's Alberson de Koenig. Uh, what do you think 
Do you think they'll have a better season next year, Benji? Do you think they'll win more than 13, 14 World Tour races, get a monument again, grand tour success? Um, I, oh, I don't think so. I somehow yeah, feel I like... I don't see a monument. I don't see the monument happening either unless he pulls off MSR, which yeah. is possible if Søren Kroenderson gets over yeah. the Pajo together with Vanderpool, because then they have two riders over the Pajo. So then Søren Kroenderson can roll attacks or control attacks that happen. To Va- I think Vanderpool's going to win MSR. I think MSR is one of the most likely, yeah, because Roubaix and Flanders just has... I think there'll be a lot of work to do for those two against the other teams. But MSR, yeah. it's a pretty clear and obvious strategy, which I'm not sure many other teams can combat. Um, yeah. It's a pretty lethal duo for... Jumbo should be able to. Yeah, Tratnik and Wout Jumbo should be able to as well, yeah. But, you know, it may be Surin Cryan is in attacks in the last K and a half and Tratnik's not able to bring him back. Or I don't know. Like, it's possible. Because I, I think Surin Cryan is stronger than Tratnik on the Poggio. Um, I agree. I think they'll win over 10 World Tour races again. They just have too many good sprinters not to. Um, but... I don't think they'll have the monument success. Um, I, I don't think so. But I do think Van der Poel wins Worlds next year. Um, I think it suits I think, him. I think they win less Grand Tour stages. Because Philipson winning two at the Tour de France. I think Van is going to win at least one at the Tour de France. I think Groves might win one or two at the Giro. Yeah. So that's three. At the Vuelta, they would require Groves to go there, which is possible that he can get one or two. But they need like six, right? Or am I stupid? It is six, right? Three at the Giro, one at the Tour, and two at the Vuelta? Um, no, two at the Tour. They need seven to be able to. They can't do that, I think. Yeah, probably they won't. It depends. Philipson could clean up all the Tour de France sprints, but without a great lead out, it depends on Rickard coming back. But yeah, I think. Yeah, like, do I really see Quinton Hermans winning like a Vuelta stage? Yeah, you know, maybe it depends if they send him. Maybe but they'll probably be sent. They probably won't send them. To send him there. They'll want him to do a different schedule or do the Italian classics. I don't know. But the tour, probably. Yeah, yeah. Interesting to see how this team goes, the direction of it. But they're kind of them and Intermarche are raiding the stocks of riders that Quickstep used to sign, and they're having a lot of success doing it. Um, as well. So I'm keen to see in particular how the two Australian sprinters go on this team and and whether Stannard, he could improve in the Ardennes. Yep. Who knows? He could improve with Conchi. So they got a nice mix of young riders. I don't know the budget, but everything looking pretty good for Alberson de Koenig as long as they can keep Matthew van der Poel in one piece. So everyone have to let us know if he's doing well in cyclocross. Is he? Um, so that'll... <laughs> is, his, is his back flying in CX? I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll have to check. That's all for the Alpsen de Koenig preview. Thanks as always to Zwift for supporting the show, and we'll see you with the Trek Segafredo preview next. Ciao.